God is good. Today is the first Sunday of the month, which means that uh, we have a communion. I'll try to be uh, as concise as possible, but with the help of the Spirit of God, I really need God's help. And uh, I only have probably about 38 slides, but uh, let me begin with the prayer. Father, we just come right now. I thank you for being here with us. I thank you that you are here, moving in our midst. Father, I thank you for your being here in our midst, working in our midst, God, changing hearts, turning our hearts to you, and meeting us here. I give you glory for who you are. I ask today, God, as we draw near, we ask that you will pour out your spirit, Holy Spirit, in your anointing and grace. I ask your word to come with power, with your presence and grace. We love you. We give you glory. Have it your way in our midst. I ask that you guide me with the words I speak that is from you. You'll anoint it with your presence. You will strengthen it. Go for it in power. We give you glory. God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What happened? Okay. No, I, I wasn't rushing. Okay. Okay. No, I, I need to give maybe one minute explanation of today's message. You know, uh, I was out of town for almost three, sun, three Sunday, almost, almost three weeks. And, and out of that, God has been showing me different things. You know, what, and there are a number of things God has been showing me and stirring my heart and reminding me, giving me revelation of who He is and how He works in our lives. So last week, I, be, I shared one that God mentioned, told and showed me while I was in Thailand about how God is building Bethel House of God. Not only in the building there, but also here. Not only in the building, but in our lives. He is building house of God. We are called to be Bethel. We are called to be house of God. Our lives be called to be house of God. And there are a few other things. And next Sunday, I want to talk about something that really moved my heart. What I want to share today is what troubled me. What troubled me a lot. And one of the main reasons I went out to Korea was because Pastor Todd and Marty from North Georgia Revival asked me to come and join them as they, as they went out to Korea for two conferences of Baptism Revival. The thing that shocked me more than anything else was this, that, you know, we have, we have hosted twice, two occasions, I mean, two weeks, two weeks of Georgia Revival with us in our church. We have people, many people got baptized, many were touched, many, and also I was part of the other uh, one in Northern Virginia at the Whole World Fellowship. Also, I was at one in D.C. with more with the Georgia Revival as well. But when I went to Korea, we had two conferences, Sunday night to Wednesday afternoon. And so another one went on Seoul on Thursday evening, afternoon to Saturday evening. And the thing that troubled me was the first one in Korea troubled me. It was a very different one very different from what I've seen. These are supposed to be pastors' conference. At the last minute, they opened it up. Other leaders, other than pastors, came. So about, over, over 50% of people were pastors there. And about, about another 50% of made up, the members of the church was hosting and as other leaders. Am I moving on too much? Confusing you? It's okay? I just want to move on so you can see my face, this beautiful, handsome face. All right? The thing that tr- troubled me was that when we began the Kunsan revival Sunday night to Wednesday afternoon, 
three days, what happened was, we, in, that, in the span of three days, we, three and a half days, we baptized over 400 people. But the, th- the thing that troubled me was as, okay, I've been thinking, I'm troubled by this thing. My, my main role, and um, the team, the Georgia team came about, 12 people came. Pastor Marty and his wife, and, and, and Todd and his wife, and the whole team, the best of the best came. They were helping with all the baptism. My main role was to pray for those who are going to go into water to be baptized. So I, me and my wife, stood right before they got to baptize. We prayed for every single one who was going into water. As you, as you are praying for them, we saw people begin to manifest and touch different ways. The thing that troubled me, I said it about seven times, was that about half of the people who wanted the water to be baptized, by the time they hit the water, they were already manifest. They were having physical manifestations. And, and, and I mean... Almost everybody was manifesting, but half of them were demonic. We were doing a lot of deliverance. I mean, this, and remember, this half of the people, at least are pastors. I'm not saying they were demonized. There's something out of them, actually, they're praying for, something was being released from them. And that's one of the signs, you know, when people are being delivered from deliverance ministry is they are usually vomiting, gagging, and things that throwing up things. And all this are going on. I said, what is going on? The reason is these people, a lot of these people came to that first conference, came because this, this pastor who organized these conferences had been doing it in Korea for about 20 years. He does four conferences a year. Four years ago, they even, even got David Hogan. This is a guy from Mexico who raised 39 people from dead. And so they had all these people come for these conferences. These people know about this conference. They are hungry for God's presence. They're hungry for the anointing of God. They came. They came because they want to be, they want to be moving and ministering in the church and the revival to come in their church. These are not just brand new people. They are believers. They came not because they need healing. They came because they want to touch up God. And as they came, as you're praying for something else that's going on, and, and, and we are praying, and, 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 and so many of them, even before they went into water, we have to drag them in because they couldn't walk. And, and it was not like me and my wife was got more anointed in Korea or anything. It might happen, sometimes happen, you know, but God was giving me a simple prayer. Every time when I pray, God was saying, you are mine. You are mine. And I began to... So what I did for the last three weeks was study about what anointing is. What does it mean? We use the word anointing a lot. We talk about God's presence and anointing and maybe different terms to talk about God being in our midst. And then so I began to do a little more study, more, more, more thorough and step by step. What does it mean? What it happens? What is the purpose and all those? Begin the study of that. So today the message is really on that. So I don't know if I can finish it today. I'm not even trying to finish it. I want to hit some of the highlights and share with you. And what I found out was something I already knew, but God was highlighting something, highlighting something very, very powerful for me. Thus the title, The Heart of Anointing. Okay? What is anointing? There are a lot of texts text, text I'm using. One of them is Isaiah 43, 1 to 2. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 9, and there are more. But what is anointing? The biblical definition from Baker's 
Evangelical Dictionary of the Bible, Biblical Theology says, to, it means to smear or rub with oil or perfume for either private or religious purposes. Anoint, okay, oil. Oil, you rub it as smear uh, 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 on private purposes or religious purposes. That's what it is. Hebrew term for the word anoint means masa. Has a secular connotation such as rubbing, uh, rubbing a shield with oil. Never thought about that. You, you, they used to they put oil over the shield the, the, for warfare. And smearing paint on a house. Uh, anointing the body with oil. Even the dead body with oil. It's part of the smearing. That's where they came from. And the word anoint is used many different ways. And, and, you know, and uh, many different ways. And, and, and including, uh, including, the, you know, including hospitality. When the guests come to your house, you put oil, oil and perfume over them for a shine of honor and hospitality. This is what Mary was doing when Jesus came into her house. Mary Bethany was doing uh, I mean, so you can also, anointing was also done for the, preparing the dead body for the burial. And they are used in many different ways. One of the ways it was used at the time before really was a healing, anointing for healing, right? Some, very, very one of the most unlikely place. I found this out this week. Some, I put it on my Facebook. Some of you liked it. Some of you were sharing other places. It says in Psalm 23, the you know, Lord is my shepherd psalm. It says, verse 5, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. A cup of applause. Often I didn't know what that meant. He, he put oil on my head. What does that mean? I just thought you just regular putting oil on your head for whatever the reason. But what I found out was the really beginning understanding of oil, putting oil on people's head, whatever, really started with shepherds. With shepherds. And often the sheep, because, you know, sheep, and often the bugs and, and the insects will come into, the, into, come into their wool and whatnot, and often go into their ears and eyes, and they'll get infected, and some even die. So what, what shepherds will do is put oil over them, all over the head of uh, the sh sheep, so that this insect will come, cannot get it, it's, it's, it's just slide off. And, and also soothing and healing purposes. Anointing sheep's head with oil shielded them from deadly insects, so anointing became symbolic of blessing, protection, and empowerment. So some people think this is where the, uh, putting oil over uh, uh, anointing really st started. Now, you know in the Bible, when Jesus' disciples went out, when Jesus sent them out, he sent them out a purpose for the ministry. In Mark chapter 6, 13 says, And Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. They went out, they went out and preached that man should repent, and they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. You find even disciples, they use oil to pray for people who are sick and get healing people. And, and James chapter 5, verse 14, it says this way very clearly If anyone, is anyone among you sick? Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church 
and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, a prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Talks about how when you're sick, call the elders, and they will pray over you, put oil over you, anointing for healing, and you'll be healed. And one of the, one of the ways that anointing with oil was used was for healing, as well as many other purposes. But the main purpose of anointing really in the Bible really was as a dedication, a setting apart. I don't have time to explain this. Now, but first time they really have an idea of putting oil over something really was done by Jacob. We talked about it last Sunday when Jacob had a dream and, and, and he had a stone that he laid on the head and, in, and he had an encounter with God. Next one he wakes up, he put the stone up and, took the, and, and, and then he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil over it and called it a place Bethel. Actually, in uh, contemporary English version, it says, it ends by saying, and then he poured olive oil on the rock to dedicate it to God. It was a, or you put oil over things as a, as a dedication to God. But biblically speaking, the anointing really started with this understanding. It means set apart, consecration. Especially in the book of Acts, when God tells Moses to build a tabernacle and fill it with all the holy objects in it. And what he tells, God tells Moses is that, yeah, and that you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and shall consecrate it and all its furnishings and it shall be holy. God says, this object, as you make it for me and you put a, sorry, again, put a uh, all over it as a, you're consecrating, setting apart for God's purpose. So anointing something, saying, putting on, saying, this belongs to God. This is for God's purpose, for God. It's God. You're setting a path for God. I found this, uh, this thing. you like the light bulb in the middle. You're setting apart one from the other many and setting a, a light on it. I thought it was a very good picture on it. In Leviticus, it says, you shall consecrate yourself, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies, who makes you holy. And then he said, you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy. And have separated you from the people that you should be mine. First meaning of anointing really is God is separating you from all the things that's saying that you are mine. You belong to me. And God jealously loves us. Out of all the things out there, God says, you belong to me. That's the meaning, first meaning of anointing. Anointing. A lot of times people think anointing means giftings, empowerment, Ministry using you being used by God for some powerful things. But the first meaning of anointing is you are God said, You belong to me. God separated you from everything else and said, You are mine. Amen. And every time I was praying for people, God was saying, You are mine. Even, even, even though you might have came for powerful anointing and, and some empowerment and some giftings, God is saying, 
First of all, you belong to me. More than all the things you can do for me, you belong to me. You are mine. It's like when I, 34 years, 34 years, and three months ago, I said yes to all women. And said, you are mine. You belong to me. I'm talking about marrying. The best thing ever happened to me other than God. My wife. You see, anointing really is, God is saying, you belong to me. I set you apart from everything else. And your first job, first thing is that you, you are mine. I'm jealously in love with you. I'm not, I'm not sharing with anyone else. You are mine. You belong to me. And I, I don't know why, Mr. When I was praying for those pastors, leaders who are being baptized, coming for encounter with God is saying, you belong to me. More than all the ministry you can do for me, you are mine, says God, saying, God is saying. More than all the things you do for me, you are mine, first of all. You're called to be mine. Your, your heart is mine. Your past is mine. Your, your present is mine. Your future is mine. I, you are mine. Your main, your main calling is to be mine. I love that. And the really... I found this, the Google search is so good. Consecration means you are set apart. Anointing me are set apart. And, I, and I actually, I can start, I don't have to go anywhere, any more than, further than this. I can even stop here. When God put uh, oil over and, and then saying, you are set apart for me and for my use. You belong to me. You're holy because of that. Let me, let me move on. Anointed means set apart, consecrated for what? For to serve God. Wasn't just separated. You're separated for with a purpose in mind. And he says, you know, in, in, and you, you'll find in the Bible how God's uh, anointed not only objects, but also people like a priest, kings, and prophets. Here in Exodus 40, when they finished building tabernacle and when they already the priest. God said, you shall put the holy garment on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister as priest to me. And down the next verse it says, and their anointing will qualify them for perpetual priesthood throughout the generation. They are called. I separate them apart to serve me. You belong to me. I lo- I, it's so funny that Irene was mentioning about how Miss Ann said, I work for G-O-D. You know, you know, you know I, I didn't think that was just, you know, just a chance you told a story. God is really saying something in our midst. God is saying, no, you work for me. You working for D-O-D and D-O-J and everything else is secondary. You are mine, first of all. You work for me. You are a teacher, Great. You are a teacher for me. You are, I called you. You are accountant for me. You're not just an accountant like everybody else. No, out of all the people in the world, I set you apart for me. That's why you're holy. Your purpose, your worth comes the fact that God said, I called you, chosen you. I'm going to move on. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on quickly. By the way, I don't know if you, you guys knew where the word, your name chosen came from. 
This is where it came from. First Timothy two, First Peter two nine. This is where your name came from. The word chosen actually means anointed, set apart. But you are chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for my, His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of Him who called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. You are chosen. You are anointed. You are set apart. All of you, talking to you guys. Young people, chosen people. There's a reason why God called you chosen. Not just a nice name for youth group. God is saying you are set apart from young. You're chosen. I chose you to be my people. You see, set apart means we are God has anointed me. God has set us apart for His purposes, His goals. Let me move on. Let me see if I can, I, I'll, I'll stay here for a couple of seconds, maybe a couple of minutes, okay. You're anointed and set apart for God's purpose by God. Not people, by God. I think about, about a few weeks ago, I, not too long ago, I shared a message about uh, uh, King David, young David being anointed as a king. And when even his father didn't believe in him. Even father, his father neglected him and disregarded him how... Uh, Samuel, the judge, waited, bring the last, youngest one. And this is what he said at the last verses. And so he sent, uh, um, David's father sent and brought him in. And he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. Talking about David here, young David. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for he, this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Out of all the brothers, God chose young David to be the king, the, God's purpose, God's king for the nation Israel. God chose, God, God was anointing him, setting him apart for God's purpose and for his kingdom. God was doing that. Because God was calling, anointing you, calling, setting you apart for his purpose and his, his, his kingdom. You know what God does? He gives you power and authority to carry out the calling. And the worst leader is one who gives somebody a title, a role, without any authority or strength to do it. When you call somebody for a job, you need to give them resources and authority to carry it out. You see, God, that's what God anointing means. Since God set you apart for himself, for purpose, for his calling, <coughs> he grants you power, strength to carry it out. That's, what anointing, that's why anointing carries a meaning of empowerment. That's why when David was anointed, Holy Spirit came upon him from that day forward. God began to do what he said he would do on David. Young little shepherd boy, God anoints him and God prepares him next 13 years, for 17 years to be his king. God's anointing comes over him. Because God's anointing is not only setting you apart, God gives you power to do it. Amen? When God calls, when God sets us apart, his purpose, he gives power, authority to do it. That's what God does, anointing. That's what anointing, when you use the word anointing, it carries the, uh, the idea of empowerment and strength and giftings. 
God is good. It's empowered, empowered by God for his purpose. Okay. Now, this is the crux of the message. Now, see, out of the Old Testament, God was beginning to teach Israelites about being anointed. The leaders, the kings were anointed for God's purpose and God's, God's design. God chose it. And that, God, because God was preparing the anointed one. The anointed. There are many kings who are anointed as a king. There are many prophets who are anointed as a prophet. There are many priests who are anointed as priests. But there will be the anointed one comes. Like the matrix. The one, the promised one. Okay? Jesus is the anointed one. We call him Christ. Or Messiah. The word the Christ is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah. Messiah, you know, is from the word Masa, the anoint. So Messiah really means anointed one. Jesus, his, Jesus Christ, when you say Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Okay? Christ is not, is not the last name of Jesus Christ, okay? It's not the last name. It is title who he is. Jesus' name, the Christ is the title. He is the anointed one. The one the whole Bible has been talking about waiting for. He is the anointed one. He is the one who is anointed par excellence. He was empowered, empowered by God and called by God the Father for his purpose and his design and all the carrier God's promises in this world. That he is the anointed one. The Christ is the anointed one. This is, what, this is when Jesus began his ministry. He, he quotes Isaiah 61, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he sent me to proclaim release to the captives and re recover your sight to the blind and free those who are oppressed. Set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the fable of the Lord. Jesus is saying, I, I'm anointed by the Father. And he is the anointed one. Let me move on quickly. In, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, this is what, what Apostle Peter says. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, but how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good. And healing all who are oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And as Peter is speaking about Jesus the Messiah, how God the Father anointed him when out doing good things. In John chapter 1, when, uh, when the earliest disciples begin to follow Christ, this is what happens. One of, one of the two who had uh, heard John speak and followed him, was Andrew Simon Peter's brother. And he found first, he found his first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed, which means, which translated means Christ, anointed one. We found the Messiah. Whole New Testament and declared Jesus is the anointed one. That anointed one, Jesus. I'm gonna skip that. The anointed one, Jesus anoints his people. We are Christians. If Christ means anointed one, we are Christ Christians, meaning little 
Christ. We are the little anointed ones. We, not only certain people, but every child of every Christian who believes in Christ Jesus, who are saved by the power of God, who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we are all anointed from the anointed, by the anointed one. God set us apart for his purpose and for his glory. He empowered us to fulfill his, his calling in our life. Am I the only one who is warm here? Is it a little warm here? Just me? Okay. I'm excited. Okay, I know. You know I'm excited. Okay, I'm going to close my notes. Let me just talk to you a little bit. Why is this important? Because the, the pastors and leaders I met in Korea, they were coming for anointing. They were coming for encounter with God, to be empowered by God to do God's work. And that was great, right to, right, to do, right to do so. But God was reminding them that more than all the anointings, more than all the empowerments you want, you need, God is saying, first thing is, of anointing means you are set apart, you are mine. God was reminding them before empowerment, on all the gifts, and God is saying, you are mine first. That's what anointing means. You are mine, you belong to me. That's where the strength and power comes from. You belong to me. You are, you are worthy because I set you apart. You are holy because I set you apart for myself. I think a lot of us these days live our life as Christians not knowing who we are, not knowing that, that God, our Lord God, the anointed one, anointed us and set us apart and empowered us for his glory and honor. We live as if we just live our lives. We live as if we do not belong to God at all. Being a child of God means we are anointed, we are set apart by, by Jesus Christ for his people. Amen? Does it make sense? Our first calling in our life is Living as people who belong to God. That's where the anointing is. Often I think we lose sense of God's power and presence in our lives because we lose that most fundamental, we forget, we walk away, we sort of neglect the fundamental thing that we belong to God. We are His. If, if I'm His, then I'm to live like His. If, my, if Joe is my, my wife and I'm her husband, if I belong to her, I cannot be looking at other women or men. I cannot be, you know, you know what I mean. I cannot just say woman anymore, men and everything. And I belong to her. I live in the way that fits my relationship with her. You see, God's presence remains and we, we, uh, God's presence is strengthened in our lives when I live as people who belong to him. His anointing increases in us and persists in us when we live as people who are set apart for him. This is why when Pastor Tara was talking about how the revival came to their church, the three things was we saw his face, seek his face. Not more than the blessing, we saw his face. Secondly, we beheld his glory. Now I need the time to talk about how glory and 
presence is different. It's different, two different things. They beheld his good. Third thing they talked about how, said, God, press into me. You know what he was saying? God, I belong to you. Make me holy. When, when God said, I separated you apart for me, God said, you are to be holy. You are to be different. You are to live as those people belong to me. And his their prayer was, God, make us holy, more like Christ Jesus. Make us more holy. Make us people that belong to you. Not dabbling in the things that, you know, uh, that he is not happy with. They're not dabbling things as if I don't belong to God. What I, what I think, what I feel, what I, all that I do has to be out of where who he called me to be. Amen? Let me see. Let me end with the, let me end with the, so God was actually, there was one verse God, one scripture verse God was repeating in my ear, person after person, was Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Uh, DM, can you find that slide in there? Isaiah 43, 1 and 2, I, I've been there. And God was saying, every single person come by. God is saying, you are mine. When you walk through the water, it will, not, it will not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, it will not burn you because you are mine, says the Lord God. God was saying, you are mine every single turn, every single time. You are mine. You belong to me. And God was saying, that's what anointing is, that you are mine. You live in the place where I set you apart for me and my glory and honor. Amen. Yeah, that's, let me go back here. But now it says, now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you through the rivers. They will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. There's one moment I was, I was, you know, we were doing the praying for people in Seoul, and everybody laughed because I don't know what, I, what came over me. I was praying for this girl, and, and do you remember what I said? At the end, where are you? you remember? The, what did I say? What, what did I exactly say? I, I was, I, I spoke English, okay? I was praying for this girl, like, and I was praying over her. God was saying, you are mine. In the middle of it, I say, you know, when, you, when you're little, right? When you're little, I don't know if you have done that. When you're little, you play something, you say, this is mine. You put your, this is mine. Don't touch it, okay? You say, this is mine. Don't touch it, okay? I, 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 I put my saliva on this. You know, you, you have, have you ever done that? I used to do that. <laughs> I don't want you to touch. This is mine. Don't touch, Okay? That's the stupidest thing you can me. My mind is going to be, I remember when I was in high school, me and my friend were walking down, and, and I don't, you know, and he, walking, he has a cook. Let me, let me have some. And so he didn't want to share. You know what he did? <laughs> spit on the top of the, and the, and the cook. And I took it, I drank it anyway. I spit, <laughs> and I spit on top of it. He will not drink it. In, while I was praying for people in midst of God, I, out of the blue, I blurted it. I feel like Spirit of God made me say it. I'm blaming Holy Spirit God for that. God said, I, chim, chim, chigo you, saliva. 
I put my saliva on you. I was start laughing all over the place. God's reminding me, no, I picked you as mine. I put my thing over you are mine. Nobody will have you. Nobody will take you from me. God was saying, I'm jealous over you. That's what anointing is. I'm jealous over you. I set you apart for me, for my purpose, my calling. That's anointing. More than the power, more than all the things you can do. God is saying, you are mine. That's why, that's why those vessels, when they put oil, was holy because there was for God. It's holy. God is saying, you are holy. Not because you live holy life. You are holy because I said you are mine, God says. You are holy because I, you are mine, mine. I'm not sharing with the world out there. So what Pastor Todd, their church learned was to really experience God's revival. They said, God, make us yours. Take us deep, press in. Anything that is not, does not belong to our relationship, burn it again. That's what they're saying. God, take us deep in holiness. We are yours, God. That's why the title of the message, the heart of anointing is not power or even ministry is about intimacy, intimate personal relationship with God. Amen? Today, I would have the communion ushers come forward. Today, like the first Sunday of each month, we celebrate communion. You know what that tells me? The communion tells many things to me. It reminds many things to me. But one of the things God is mentioning to me is how far he went to make you his. That's what, that's what cross is about. God, God was saying, this world, does, you don't belong to this world. You belong to me, says God. I put my blood over you. So I said, you are mine. He didn't even put Chim over you, saliva over you. He says, I put my blood over you. You, are my, you belong to me, you are mine, says the Lord God. Communion reminds, uh, tells us I don't, know how to, I don't know how this works. Okay, this is brand new. Okay, sorry. I'll just put it, we'll not hook it up. It's okay, it's okay. I feel so naked because it's not hooked, but. Can you put this here? Listen carefully. Out of all the symbols, God chose the cross on which Jesus died as a symbol of his love for us. A symbol of his, his dedication, his commitment to us. God put his, remember the, the communion came from the Old Testament feast of Passover. And the, the angel of death was going through the whole Egypt and every firstborn was being destroyed. God said, if whoever the house, when you put the blood over it, when you put my, the blood of the lamb over it, then it will pass over. You see? God was saying, I put my blood over you as a mark that you belong to me. You see, God chose cross as his symbol of his love for us, his commitment to us. Saying, you are mine. I bought you my, with my blood. I am so committed to you. Even my life, I committed. You are committed. I'm committed to you, says the Lord God. That's what communion is. 
God's saying, you don't belong to this world. This world will kill you, destroy you, and rip you apart and, and steal from you. I came to give you life, life abundant. You belong to me, says the Lord God. And I said, I gave my blood, I gave my life away, I put my blood over you as a mark that you belong to me. That's what the communion is. That's what anointing is about. God is saying, you are mine. I set you apart for me. Apart from me, you cannot do anything. Apart from me, you will die. Apart from me, you will perish. You belong to me. Because you belong to me, no one, will, no one better touch you. If anyone touches you because you belong to me, you are touching me. You mess with my daughter. You mess with my wife. Two fists. That's what the Bible says. Do not touch my anointed, says the Lord God. Because they are mine. God jealously loves you. That's what the gospel is about. God jealously loves us. The gospel is that we were dead, we are dying. This world already consumed us. We are sinking in this world. God put his hand out and lifted us out of the place and said, You are mine. God put his blood over it and said, You belong to me. You are mine. You belong to me. And that's what the gospel is about. And Holy Spirit comes, put a mark over you, and put a seal over you that you really belong to Him. That's what it is. Anointing is that. The heart of the anointing is that we are set apart for Him, for His glory and honor. Amen. Today I want all of you to come, to come to the table of our Lord Jesus. If you have never known Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior you have never been saved yet even today can be a time that you come and accept the love of God by trusting in who Christ is what he has done for you and if you turn to him even now he forgives your sins he makes you his own he put his blood over and says you belong to me today will be day of your salvation I want to invite all of you to come even if you are not baptized, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, already the blood is applied in your heart already. I want you to come to His table. Be reminded of His love for you. Reminded of His com- commitment over you. Be reminded of His d- desire over you. Hear what God says. You, I've called you by name. You are mine. I have a purpose for you. I have a purpose for you in this life. The night before Jesus died, he took the bread and broke it and gave it to them. This is my body broken for you. And literally that the very next day. Same way the Bible said he took the cup. The wine that symbolizes blood, his shedding of his blood. He made a new covenant with his blood. Take drink. It's a new covenant I make with my blood. And whenever we celebrate communion, remember what Christ has done for us, his sacrifice for us. Also we declare that he is coming back. He is our Lord, our God. Amen. I want you to come. I feel God's presence here. I brought extra, bottle, extra bottles of oil in my pocket. 
And I believe there's a there's an anointing today. God's presence here to heal. And of you who are physically ill in Christ Jesus, our God heals and restores. And if you are tired and weary, oil is oil also speaks of refreshing presence of God. God refreshes you. And some of you who are confused as who you are, where you are going. Anoint God's presence, anointing speaks of God's purpose and calling in your life. Today, as you come to communion, Pastor Mimi and I will be on the side praying for anyone. We'll, if you're willing to linger a little bit, we'll pray for you, for God's touch, for your God's healing over you, God's restoration over you, God's refreshing presence over you, God's leading over you. Let's all stand. Let's sing a prayer.